and just praise that it went well and pain is minimal and everything went smooth. Oh, awesome. Thank you for sharing on behalf of Katie. Katie, we're glad the pain isn't too bad and that it went well. We're glad your dad is here to take care of you. <laughs> That's really great. Hello, I'm Sally. Um, just wanted to give a praise that, um, you remember me talking about my sister who had the gastric bypass surgery that went wrong and had to have that all redone. Anyway, this Tuesday, she's finally getting her feeding tube out. So, yeah, huge praise. And just a praise, too, that we have um, had the privileges of being able to bring our granddaughters to church with yeah. us the last two weeks. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, praise God that you're able to have the girls with you and that Sandy's on the road to recovery. Um, you guys are great family members. It's really encouraging to see. I'm Andrea. Um, I have a prayer request for a friend and coworker of mine. Her grandpa just passed away on Friday, and they're pretty devastated. I just want to pray for them, their comfort, and just know that and give them comfort to know that he's not suffering anymore. Yeah, pray for your coworker. It's great to hear that she has coworkers like you. But now we get to pray for her. Luke told me if I didn't ask for prayer about this that he would do it for me. So um, I'm the other Luke. Uh, as you could, some of you might be able to tell, uh, my arm is kind of screwed up right now. Uh, for those of you that don't know, I have a minor form of epilepsy. I've been dealing with it for about four years. Uh, it's been fine up until recently uh, when I finally had my first fall that resulted in a different injury, uh, which was the breaking of my shoulder. Um, I just wanted to ask for prayer. I've uh, seen a few doctors both um, at home in Colorado and here now, um, and I'm kind of getting some conflicting opinions. Uh, some of the doctors are telling me it's completely fine. I can just keep it in the sling for two more weeks and then do physical therapy, and it'll be fine, like I never broke it at all. Um, but then other doctors are telling me that I should have had it operated on three weeks ago. Um, so I'm a little... Uh, just confused and um, honestly angry, uh, just not sure what to believe, what to think about the whole situation, um, especially if I do have it, have to have it operated on. Um, so yeah, I just would like prayer for um, just clarity. I'm trying to get these doctors to um, talk to one another so they can reach a consensus, but it's a little difficult with the different um, states and the distance. So um, just prayers that that can happen and just prayers that everything would um, heal properly. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Luke. Um, you know, in James chapter 5, we're told that if any one of you is sick, has any trouble, you should call the elders um, to pray over that. And so when we break to prayer time, Tim, can I have you, and Nick, can I have you come over and pray um, for Luke so that we could continue to try to be obedient to that? Um, I think that is a command in scripture that we don't want to ignore, and it's a great opportunity um, that there's healing that needs to take place, and we want to ask God for that. And so at the end, we want to pray for you, specifically for healing. But thanks for sharing that, Luke. We'll pray also for clear reports for clarity on that. It's got to be frustrating. I'm the other Luke. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so this weekend, um, InterVarsity is putting on the Mark drama again. Um, but first of all, I would invite you to all come join us Saturday and Sunday night in the Surbeck Ballroom at 7. Mm. Um, Do you have a role? Not yet. Oh, okay. So, yeah, the, kind of the interesting bit about the Mark drama, I'll go fast, I promise. <laughs> we learn it all starting Thursday night, and we perform it for the first time Saturday night. And what is it? It is, so it's the Gospel of Mark acted out by students without costumes or complicated props. And... Um, Basically, we, yeah, we learn it all in one weekend, and then we perform it. However, we have had a lot of people drop out last minute, and the cast is looking a little thin. Um, and so those of you unfortunate enough to cross paths with me this morning <laughs> attempted to be recruited. Um, but in general, just prayers that, yeah. again, as always, the line memorization will go well, and that we are able to fill this cast and have this ministry of bringing the gospel in a real, tangible mm -hmm 
way. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Pray for the team. We pray for more people to step up. Um, we're not worried about you learning it because we know that, man, your life is just saturated with the gospel, and you probably have read through the Gospel of Mark, you know, every week for your entire life, so you know it very well. But we'll pray for you guys as you learn it. Pray for more people to step up. But that's a cool ministry you guys have of just sharing the gospel. Got one here. Yeah. Um, my neighbor last weekend lost his battle with depression. Um, he's like 31, married, three little kids. Um, so that whole family needs a lot of prayers. Um, and just a good reminder that to reach out if you're if you need that, reach out. I don't think a single person had a clue what he was going through. Um, and so it took everybody by surprise. I bet you there were 500 people at his funeral who all would have loved to talk with him. Right. So, yeah, just a good reminder. And, yeah, prayers for little girls and his wife. So, uh, I'm Creedon. Um, over the past couple of weeks, um, I have been asking for prayer for our move to Cleveland coming up. Me and my family are heading out there. Um, we are leaving February 1st. Uh, so prayers for the moving process that is starting now, selling of cars and things and packing and, 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 and. It's a lot. Um, but also huge praise that in my very minimal um, research of the area, I've already gotten an interview lined up and started for a shop in the near area, um, automotive shop, and I've already gotten a school halfway lined up for next semester um, in order to get my associate's degree in AC certified, all that good stuff. So huge praise that that's all lined up really well and everything's just kind of falling together, almost, almost like God wants us to be there. Weird awesome. how that works. No, that's cool. So. That's cool. We'll give him full credit for that. Praise God. It's exciting to hear. Hi, my name is Mary. A um, couple weeks ago, when we were getting ready for Christmas, Nick spoke to us about love in the Hallmark Channel and all that stuff. And this is just something that will encourage you pastors who sometimes feel like your words don't speak God. And I want to read this. This is what I got out of the sermon from Nick. Carpenter Jesus, please reshape and remold me as you want me to be. Change how I see love. Show me your love in the best and proper laying down of bad images of it to actually share your image of it to others. Not chasing after romantic love, but seeing how your love is true care and sacrifice. Dissolving the bad image I saw as a youth and looked for in others. Running from bad image to bad image. Transform my vision of your love. Taking on my hurts and sins and brokenness in a very painful way. Knowing you felt abandoned in those last minutes on the cross. But even in that moment, he was with you. So you understand me more than I ever imagined. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Mary, thanks for sharing that. Thanks for sharing that prophetic word. Of beautiful. Thank you for inviting us into what God's doing in your life. I think that's amazing to see. I'm encouraged. Uh, so, Logan, uh, a couple things. Uh, first off, um, one of my best friends, his name is Dakota, got married last Saturday. To his wife's name is Amanda. Um, so just prayers for their marriage. Immediately after they got married, they got sick. So, you know, start off good. Um, that that sickness whole thing, in, in, in sickness and health thing, right off the bat. So, just prayers for that marriage and that um, that, that that will be fruitful. And um, also prayers for my friend Dakota. We, you know, he's he's kind of gone on a long journey since I've met him um, through me and a couple other friends that we always play games together with. Um, secondly, being that we're uh, 
I, I'm kind of in full swing of getting high school camp together and Hollow uh, mm -hmm. is kind of getting in full swing of getting those camps together. Just prayers for that. Um, I've, I've got some grand ideas for high school camp this year. I'm just praying that they line up with God's or that I will fall in line with what God wants there. Yeah. So, and just getting a staff together, all that entails. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'll pray for your friend Dakota for all that. And yeah, Halawasa is what, six months away now? Seven. Oh, it's getting close. Okay. Don't want to scare you, but that's exciting. <laughs> David, deep in the microphone. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> my name is, uh, David. Um, uh, We've, uh, my wife and I have been coming here for years and love this family here. Uh, I finally got military orders, and uh, it's funny. I wasn't trying for it, and my intention was to stay here the rest of my military career and got orders, and uh, the more we've seen it and looked at it, the more we realize it's a blessing, so we're excited about it. Mm. We're uh, actually leaving about, uh, I think, second week of February. Um, but... Uh, we're, we're excited for that, so we like to ask prayers just for a smooth transition um, and, uh, you know, travel uh, on a deeper level. Um, past couple of years, it's been a, we've had a journey of faith of, like, deconstructing and trying to reconstruct, and uh, prayers for us to figure that out and uh, still uh, hold, hold fast in the midst of that. But uh, just want to say, everybody that we've gotten to know, thank you. You guys have been wonderful, and uh, I just hope you guys continue to do well. So yeah. thank you. Yeah. Oh, so we're going to New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> Selfishly, obviously, I'm really sad that, yeah, you're going to have to have military orders and be away for a few years, but I'm glad to hear that God's been opening doors and showing you the ways that it, it could be a blessing for the family. So thanks for sharing that, David, and thanks for sharing about um, your journey of faith in recent years. Hi, uh, I'm Axel. Uh, not many of you know me. I'm actually kind of following what David was saying. I'm starting to learn my own journey in faith. I've been pretty faithless most of my life, um, and I kind of had a come-to-Jesus moment, if you would, last, week, last weekend when we were here. Um, I realized why I don't believe so much in religion is because I haven't had a lot of backing in that. Um, not many people believing in me, and in turn makes me not believe in God, not believe in Jesus as much as I should have. And I want to thank everyone for accepting us in here, and accepting me and my family, and um, someone trying to turn my mic off here. <laughs> so thank you. Um, I also would like to hopefully extend prayers to my mom. She's been battling uh, sickness for a lot of years, um, and I hope she has plenty of years with these little chitlins <laughs> for the uh, the foreseeable future. Her name is Vicky. Vicky, hey, Mom. Yeah. Axel, thanks for sharing that. Thank you. Thanks for leaning in. You know, I know it can be, especially when you feel like you're in that place where you, it feels like everybody else must have like a, a better or more advanced faith than you and it feels like a weird place to be into. But thanks for being brave enough um, to give us a chance and to uh, lean in and to let people show you the love of Christ. But thanks for sharing that part of your journey. That's really encouraging. We automatically turn it off whenever it gets into Ted's hands. So I really have to... <laughs> Are we back? Yeah, we're, we're back. Okay. I thought Axel did that. Thanks. Axel brought the ice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, my mom's in the, or my stepmom's in the hospital again. Um, now she's suffering with a broken collarbone and a fractured hip because she just fell. So she's back there. Um, her health is failing fast, and so I'm just praying for my dad and strength for him. Because he's never had to be alone. He's never had to do anything alone. And she's been his rock. So I'm just praying for him. Thanks. Yeah. For your stepmom, for your dad. I know this has been a hard season and her health has declined. So yeah, it's Susie. And then Susie's going to be the grand finale. Okay. Yeah. Save the best for last, Susie. Yeah, 
probably not the best one. So uh, my name's Susie, and last week I was home with COVID and uh, got, was notified with by friends back in Casper that a good friend of mine was arrested for murder um, and attempted murder. So we're all trying to figure out ways. He's a believer, which is shocking. Um, but an alcoholic, uh, I don't know. So, but anyway, his name is George, and uh, needs a lot of prayer. And his wife, Temple, is a minister at St. Stephen's Episcopal Church, and um, they're all really struggling. And so, geez, I wish you wouldn't have ended on me. Like, there needs to be somebody who has something better. It's not about good, bad, happy, sad. Um, but, man, yeah, I think whatever has come out, we're going to hand it over to God. And I know that, yeah, that's got to be just reeling your entire friend group there. But I'm going to pray that, that God is in that regardless. Okay, so we have... 15 requests here. So instead of having you all move around, I'm going to assign you guys just a few requests that have been shared. And would you um, just gather around, maybe with one or two people around you, or if you're happy um, praying just you and the Lord, then you're, f you're free to do that as well. But you guys on this side, I'm going to give you a few requests for you to pray for. Just spend some time um, praying with the few around you or just... Um, between you and the Lord, over Corinne and her family, who's just moved, um, or Katie, who just had her tonsils taken out, um, for Sally's sister Sandy, um, we're praising God that the tube is out, and we're praising God um, that they're able to bring the girls to church right now. Um, would you also pray um, for Andrea's co-worker who lost um, her grandpa? And then we'd, yeah, and then we'll skip Luke, because elders are going to take Luke. Okay, so you guys... You have those requests. If you didn't write it down in time, Ben did, Kayla did, or whichever one you did remember, lean into that. Middle section here. Um, you pray for the Mark drama at InterVarsity. Um, so many of our students have just faithfully served at InterVarsity, and they are memorizing the gospel in order to <laughs> declare it publicly. So would you pray for InterVarsity and the Mark drama there at School of Mines? Do you pray for Chris's neighbor's family um, and just the difficult situation? That has just taken place. Would you pray for Creedon and the Faltinsky family? Um, would you just praise God that he's got an interview lined up? You want the job, right? Pray that he gets the job. Um, and then would you pray, um, well, would you reflect on the, the message that Mary shared about how Jesus has transformed our love? And maybe for you, something that she said stuck out um, in a way that you have had maybe a twisted view of love, would you just approach God and ask him to change that? You guys on this side, you're going to pray for Logan's friend Dakota, his new wife, and then you're going to pray for Camp Halawasa uh, as it approaches very quickly. Would you also pray for David and Allie Carter and the boys as they plan to move in about a month? Would you pray for Axel? Um, would you just praise God for the work that God is doing in his life, and would you ask him to continue that and to pray for him and Courtney and their family. Then would you pray for Ted's stepmom? Vicky, uh, no. And then for Axel's mom, Vicky, for Ted's stepmom and his dad. Then would you pray for Susie and her friends um, who are all dealing with this messy tragedy? Sound good? So now as we begin, I will begin in prayer and we're going to give you some time to pray before I come up and conclude it. But I just want to begin our time in prayer um, by reading from Psalm 69. And let this be our prayer. Let this be the beginning of how we address the Lord. So in Psalm 69, the psalmist writes, But I pray to you, O Lord, in the time of your favor and your great love, O God, answer me with your sure salvation. Rescue me from the mire. Do not let me sink. Deliver me from those who hate me, from the deep waters. Answer me, O Lord, out of the goodness of your love. In your great mercy, turn to me. Do not hide your face from your servant. Answer me quickly, for I am in trouble. Come near and rescue me. Redeem me because of my foes. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
So, Father God, as we have boldly approached your throne today, we ask boldly that you would act, that you would move. We want to pray in line with your will, and so continue to conform and transform our hearts and minds to be aligned with your will. As we, we see so many things um, that have been brought before us, and, and we want to know what is your heart in that, what is your what is your desire for these situations that we see? We have our own opinions and we have our own ideas of what the best case scenario for an outcome would be. But God, would you continue to, to shape us in order to see what it is that you want? And so would you use Nick to do that now? As we come before your word, as we come before the book of Genesis that you've written to grow us in, in faith and trust, to get to know you better, would you just use these words um, to shape us? that it would change the way that we interact with one another, it would change the way that we pray when we interact with you. Um, but God, as these requests have been shared, would you remind us of the people amongst us who are asking for prayer? Would you remind us of the, the things around us that are not right and that break your heart? And so would you remind us this week to come before you in prayer again and again, that we would never cease to come before you in prayer. So we thank you for that access. We thank you that your ear is turned towards us. So now, God, we leave it in your hands, and we trust you. And so, Father God, now speak to us through your word. Would you anoint Nick with your Holy Spirit, that he would teach rightly what it is that you've given him in order to give us. We just thank you for his willingness to serve and to feed us. So, Jesus, it's in your holy name that I pray. Amen. Thank you, Evan. And yes, thank you, everyone, uh, for, as Evan was saying there, I don't know if the mic picked it up or not, but for leaning into that time of prayer there. It's, it's one of my favorite parts of the, the whole service. Uh, even when I know I've got to preach and I'm watching the clock go, things like that, I, I come up here and Evan's like telling me, don't rush, you don't have to rush, that kind of thing. I'm like, yeah, I do, I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> so, but, uh, but yeah, what if, what if, our, what if our time of preaching was taken over by time of prayer? And I don't think that would, I, I don't think God would get bent out of shape over something like that. So uh, yeah, thank you so much for just being vulnerable and, and for sharing and uh, being part of this body. Okay, well, we are in Genesis uh, chapter 21 today. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be skipping chapter 20 because Evan did a pretty good job of already talking about the Abimelech issue. And if you missed that, uh, then you can go back and, and listen and watch to our videos of our recorded sermons and uh, kind of get caught up with that. So I didn't figure I should beat a dead horse there, right? Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, so I'm, I'm in chapter 21. And I got to tell you, as I approach 21, I'm like, I don't know what to do with this. I just, it's just really kind of a strange uh, passage, but um, I'm going to pray along with Evan that God brings it all together. So uh, I know we've just prayed, but can we pray one more time uh, before we go into God's word? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word because without it, we would not have a clue as to who you are. Uh, we would we'd be uh, absolutely out of touch with what you're doing. We wouldn't be able to recognize your presence in, in our lives. And Lord, we need that. We need to know your presence in our lives. We need to understand um, our relationship with you and, and uh, the need that we have to be in a relationship with you and what it takes to make that happen. And so, God, we come into your word grateful for it. And we also come into your word acknowledging that sometimes it's hard to understand. And, uh, and it makes sense. But Lord, you're the author of every word of Scripture, every letter of Scripture that we have in here to the dotting of the I's, crossing of the T's. So we, uh, we trust that you will also be the one who gives us instruction and gives us understanding. So God, would you now uh, do your work of translating uh, this message uh, into your word for our hearts? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, before I start, I got to ask a question. How many here, if people knew you a variable number of years ago, would be really surprised to find you in a church service? Okay, now I know who needs to get saved. 
<laughs> because it should be all of us. I mean, there, there should be uh, something, because I'll tell you what, it, you know, it, you go back about, oh man, 40 years ago or so, um, if, if, uh, if I were to go in a time machine and find some people 40 years back and say, guess what, guess what I'm up to nowadays, their response would probably be, I'm doubtful. <laughs> I'm doubtful of that. And, and I think there's good reason for them to have their doubts. Uh, and I'm going to touch on what God does uh, with our doubts in this message today. Now, here's something really interesting. I got an email this week from the Gospel Coalition. Uh, it's not that uh, I'm really important and they have to inform me of stuff. It's just that I'm on their email list. And I keep getting all kinds of stuff from the Gospel Coalition. And sometimes it's, uh, it's just like, man, I'm really glad I read that. So uh, here's an excerpt from that email. I just want to read it to you. Doubt is incredibly disorienting and a lonely experience. Maybe you've been there, wrestling with questions about Christianity you couldn't answer. Or perhaps you know someone who's beginning to question the plausibility of biblical faith in the modern world. For those who are in this vulnerable place where the beliefs they grew up with seem to be crumbling beneath them, it's common to deconstruct faith. That is, to dissect and often reject beliefs previously held. Deconstruction in the hands of progressivism and pluralism is often lauded as brave, honest, and enlightened, a way to ditch the rigid confines of fundamentalism and avoid the arrogance of certainty. Tragically, this type of deconstruction can lead to atheism, agnosticism, or a reimagined Christianity that borrows the name but ignores historical orthodoxy. But what if asking hard questions about the Bible's teaching or the brokenness of the church is an opportunity to see God's grace at work in surprising ways? What if the church is a place where doubt is not a scarlet letter, but a catalyst for loving community and open dialogue? What if God isn't threatened by our questions but moves closer amid them. I, and I, I'm pretty sure Evan's going to agree with me on this. <laughs> so, if not, he can come up here and beat me up. <laughs> I, I believe that Common Ground, as well as all other churches, should be the place where doubts are openly brought forth. I really do believe that. Because I don't think God's scared of our doubts, and I don't think we should be either. And I think it's when we when we uh, we try to put our doubts under a rock and pretend, well, everything's okay. I'm, I've, I've you know I've got all the answers. I've got it figured out. I think uh, kind of thing. And, and when we do that, we hide our doubts under a rock. Then we never find the answers uh, that that come in here and the answers that we need. So I, I, I'm saying this personally and pastorally. It's a good idea to ask hard questions about the Bible. If you do it with the right motives and a willingness uh, to tackle the Bible in its entirety, uh, no passage, you know, no, nothing will be hidden from you. I think uh, we've got to remember that no passage of Scripture stands alone, but it's actually surrounded by an entire family of truth. So when we bring our doubts to the Bible, we have to bring our doubts to the whole Bible, okay, the entire Bible. Uh, for example, uh, I just preached last week on Genesis 19, okay, and a couple of, or next week, Kevin, you're going to be preaching on Genesis 22, okay, where uh, the, the child that God promised has finally come, and now he's asking for it back. And, and if you read those chapters, if any person were to read just those chapters standing alone by themselves with no other knowledge of the Scripture and the whole counsel of the Bible, you would walk away from those thinking God is some kind of monster. And, and that's why I say we can't just look at one passage and say, okay, I've got it figured out now. Uh, we've got to look at it in light of all the other passages. So, so it really is a lifetime work of... of of carefully uh, digging into God's Word. Uh, don't go to God's Word looking for answers. Um, go to God's Word looking for questions. <laughs> what are some of the questions that the people I'm reading about might have been asking at that time? Because they're probably the same questions I want to ask. And when we learn to find questions in the Bible, well, we'll find those questions often lead us to the answers 
that we know we need. Uh, so I think it's up on the, on, the, on the slide there, but careful study, and this is kind of going to be the point of hammer, I guess. Careful study of the Bible should produce wisdom and understanding, you know, especially about who God is and, and what he does. But even more so, careful study of the Bible can produce transformation, especially in who we are and in what we do. And that's why I asked that question. How many would be kind of doubtful uh, that they would ever find you uh, darkening the doors of a church, you know, being a part of a church service, or, you know, even doing what I'm doing, standing up here and preaching uh, God's word? Uh, I think that people have good reason to doubt that because they know us, and they know that we're broken people, okay? Um, Susie, you're a friend, you know, a believer, but broken. And there's not a one of us here. It's not broken in some way, because what this is about is not, well, we figured it out, we know how to behave right and all that sort of thing. It's like, no, we're desperately broken and we're in need of salvation. We're in need of a rescue. We're in need of somebody to come and help us uh, with that. So uh, people should be surprised to find us 20, 30, 40 years, whatever, down the road doing what we're doing because God has done a work of changing transformation. Here's a funny thing that we say as Christians, is that God never changes, right? I don't think we should say that. I think what we should say, to be more accurate, is God is immutable. That means that God's character, everything about him, he's the same yesterday, today, forever, amen, that sort of thing. He's constant. But God changes on himself, you and me. Yeah, constantly at the work of changing us. Now, what I did there is I discovered something while, while I was studying this message, and, uh, and, and I'm going to sound real fancy here, like I know something, but I really don't know that much. Uh, but I discovered that this particular passage, uh, chapter 21, or just verses 1 through 7, you can read all the rest on your own. I encourage you to do that and ask questions while you do it. Uh, but, I, but I found in this, in this passage two double entendres. Okay, And the word change is actually a double entendre. Uh, a double entendre is uh, a word or a phrase that can have two different meanings. Now, when I say that, a couple of us kind of cringe a little bit because all we know about double entendres is it's an opportunity for somebody to, to inject or, or bring in something that could be lewd or off-color or something like that, using a euphemism, right? You know, but, but that's not... That's not the only way that double entendres are used. Sometimes they're quite tame, and it's just, you know, one word that can have two different meanings. So now you see that there's two meanings for double entendre. So double entendre is in itself a double entendre. Okay? Uh, that's about the only French I'm ever going to speak. <laughs> Because <laughs> there you go. Um, and so anyway, uh, I, I want to look at some of those that show up here. Change is a double entendre, all right? As we just talked about how God himself does not change, yet he is constantly uh, changing us. So let's look at the text here, because as I said, going to the Bible should bring forth transformation. And chapter 21 of Genesis gives us a really good example of a transformation that occurs. Okay, verse 1. The Lord visited Sarah. Now, let me pause right there. Is anybody looking in their own Bibles and have a different word than visited? What's that? The Lord was gracious to. Okay. Anybody else got anything else? Say that again. Okay. Took note. Okay. All right. So there we go. Um, this is the difficulty in Bible translation where you take a, a very precise language like Hebrew and try to translate it exactly into English. It's really hard to do sometimes. Uh, so some versions say the Lord visited, some say that God was gracious to, and some say that he took note to. Okay, here's, here's why we're going to talk about this, because the word visit in the original Hebrew is one of the double entendres. The other one is the word laugh. All right, so let me read the text. The Lord visited Sarah, or took note of Sarah, or was gracious to Sarah, as he had said. And the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore, an, uh, bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. They, they really want to make sure we understand Sarah bore this child. 
And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Now, there it is. Finally, finally. I mean, it's, it's been a long time coming since God had said, Abraham, I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to make a nation out of you. And uh, you're going to become a blessing to all the peoples of the world. And what's integral in all of that is you need to have a child to do that. And Abraham's like, but I'm old and Sarah's old. And if you haven't noticed God, Sarah's not just old, she's barren. It's impossible for this to happen. And that's one of the things we should learn about growing in faith is that uh, we'll often go from saying or transforming from saying this is impossible to, wow, look what God can do. Look what God can do. And so here's that moment. It's finally occurred. And I've often wondered, well, why did it take so long? And I I think the answer is found in Genesis 22 uh, because Abraham's faith had to mature. He had to be ready at the right time uh, for this thing to finally be fulfilled. All right, so so there it is. And uh, here's what I find interesting in this is that Sarah's attitude and laughter has changed in this chapter from an earlier experience with God. If we go back to Genesis 17, verse 17, okay, God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. Then Abraham, and here's verse 17, then Abraham fell on his face and worshipped. No, that's not what it says in that passage. It says, and Abraham fell on his face and laughed to him and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who's 100 years old? Shall Sarah, who's 90 years old, bear a child? And in that moment, that's Abraham doubting. That's Abraham questioning the promise that God had just given him. And then we get to verse or chapter 18, and then in verse, uh, verse 12, beginning with verse 9, I'll start reading there. Uh, God came and paid a visit. We, we just visited this, uh, this passage a few weeks ago, and uh, he had a couple angels with him. He's on his way to Sodom and Gomorrah, but he stops to visit Abraham, and it says, They said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, She's in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Okay, She was eavesdropping on this conversation. Verse 11, now Abram and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old, should I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. Verse 15, but Sarah denied it, saying, I didn't laugh. Because she was afraid. That's a very important part there. Uh, Evan, I remember you hitting on that thing. I didn't laugh. No, you did. Yeah, I didn't. Yes, you laughed. (laughs) It was a weird exchange going between God and his people. But uh, I think we get uncomfortable with this one because don't we do that with God too? He calls us out on something. We go, oh, no, 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 that wasn't me. I didn't didn't do that. And and we do that because we got called out. And we got called out because we were probably toting an attitude that we shouldn't be carrying around. And that's exactly what was going on with Sarah. She laughed to herself in this kind of scornful, mocking, doubting, disbelieving way. And God called her out on it. <laughs> Verse, last line, he says, oh, you did laugh. My daughter, or granddaughter, I guess I should say, um, her first laugh, you know, there's nothing better than a baby first time they laugh, Right. And the first time she laughed, I was absolutely horrified. 
Uh, but at the same time, I kind of hoped that she would laugh that for the rest of her life to keep all the teenage boys away from her when she was a teenager. Okay? We call her pterodactyl girl. Okay? Because when she laughs, she'd go <laughs> like that. Yeah, that's, that's what it was like. You know, <laughs> like I said, both both a little bit horrifying and a little bit terrible. Yeah, you, you've known people that just kind of have a weird laugh kind of thing. Um, uh, I, I preached in a church where this man named Ariel, he sat all the way in the back, always. He was that back row guy. And I, I purposely would try to make him laugh because he had the best laugh. I mean, you've heard of a guffaw. You know, some people chuckle, some people tee-hee. This guy guffawed, seriously. And the reason they call it a guffaw is because that's what it sounds like. When, when he laughs, okay? Uh, so the Hebrew word for laugh, this is just my theory, okay? I have no science or proof to, to back this up. But I think when they came up with the Hebrew word for laugh, they heard some really weird laughter one day and said, okay, that's now the word for laugh because the word is just hot. <laughs> Sounds like, was that a crow? Just <laughs> hot. <laughs> and there it is. And, and like I said, this is, this is the first word that, has a, that is a double entendre, which is weird for Hebrew words because it can mean complete opposites from one another. Okay? Uh, this laugh could mean being full of mocking scorn and disbelief, or it could be a word that means absolute joy. And the question is, well, how do I know the difference? How do I understand that when I'm reading the Bible? Well, it's a simple thing. It's called context. You don't let it just stand by itself. You look and see, well, where does it fit in relation to everything else that is going on here? And as we just went through uh, several passages from Genesis with Abraham laughing and Sarah laughing, uh, we can see in the context that their first laugh, their first tishak, was, um, was scornful and doubting and questioning. They couldn't believe this. And then when Sarah laughs later in chapter 21, it's a laughter that's just bursting forth with joy. In fact, she doesn't care if other people laugh at her, over her, <laughs> because of this. Because she says, what an amazing testimony God has now given to us, that, he, that I could bear the child of the promise. And that's who Isaac was. He was the child of the promise. Otherwise, he was like one of the most boring patriarchs there are in the Bible. Uh, but he's integral. Even though he might seem insignificant, in relationship to some of the other people in the Bible, he is essential. And I hope that we hear that too, that even if we might at times feel insignificant, we are essential in God's plan of redemption in, in this world. And he wants us to, to join in and be a part of that. Now, our disbelief of that statement might be something that he wants to transform. The only one in chapter 21, if you keep reading, whose laughter did not change was Ishmael. Ishmael laughed with scorn and mocking. In fact, this is how Paul describes Ishmael's treatment of laughing at Isaac in uh, Galatians 4, verse 29. Uh, at that time, uh, he was born according to the flesh, Ishmael, persecuted him who was born according to the spirit. And so it is now also. Paul says that kind of scorn, that kind of mocking still happens to this day. That those who are born again will find those who are only born of the flesh. Persecuting, scorning, mocking, scoffing, whatever you might say about that. And that's kind of the attitude that Ishmael leaves the story with. But the important transformation is the one that happened in Sarah's life. What was once doubt and disbelief for Sarah and Abraham has now turned into rejoicing and fulfillment. And let me say that again for us. What is currently or has been doubt and disbelief in our lives can be transformed, changed into rejoicing and fulfillment. So a, a word that's critical to understanding this is the, the second dub, double entendre that's in here. It's, it's the word pakad. Kind of sounds like you're being real snobbish and talking about Jean-Luc Picard from Star Trek The Next Generation or something, but Picard. And that's, that's the word that gets translated into either visit, uh, took note of, or uh, was gracious to. When we read in verse 1 that God visited, that God Picard, 
Sarah at this time. This is a, a common metaphor that's used throughout the scripture to describe God's intervention in human life, Picard. That's God's intervening, stepping into human life, human history, human existence, human behavior. And just like the word laughter, which could mean scorning or mocking on one in one occasion or joy and fulfillment in another occasion, uh, visitation or visiting could have a negative connotation or it could have a really good one. It all depended on the, the context. So uh, in most cases, when we read about God visiting, it's like God visited Sodom and Gomorrah and judgment came. Uh, when we read about the book of Revelation, it's the second advent of Jesus, and with his second advent comes judgment and <laughs> visitation. And sometimes that's the only way we will interpret that word, uh, unless the context is different, and in this case it was very different. In fact, here are some other examples where we see the, the use of pakad, uh, and, and, and it's rendered in, in different meanings. When God intervened to save the Israelites from Egyptian bondage, he visited them. Okay? Uh, when he ended the famine in the book of Ruth, it says that God visited the land. That's uh, Ruth 1.16. Uh, Hannah, who was another woman in the Bible, unable to conceive, she became the mother of the famous prophet Samuel. Uh, it says that God visited Hannah, and she bore forth a child. And uh, when God brought the Jewish exiles home from the 70 years of Babylonian captivity, it says that he visited Israel once more. Okay, so you see, the, you see, the, you see how that God took note of all these people, and God brought grace into their situation. And that's exactly what he did with Sarah at this time. I mean, a doubting, mocking, scornful woman who laughs at the promises of God, he comes to her because he says, no, it's not about Sarah's character, it's about my word, my promise. I said it would be done, and it's going to be done. And he allows her to conceive, to bring forth the child of the promise. When it comes to that word visit, I think one of the key determiners of how a visit will go is going to depend on how welcome the visitor is, right? We just had the holidays. Anybody have awkward visitors? <laughs> yeah, we know what we mean by that. Yeah. So uh, here, here's an occasion, like, for example, in Sodom and Gomorrah, it's pretty clear that God was not welcome in Sodom and Gomorrah for quite some time. And it resulted in a hard visit. And a tough visit. Since God was welcome in Abraham's tent and shown hospitality and made lots of bread, remember, grace came upon this aged couple and the child of the promise was conceived. How a visit will go is dependent on how welcome the visitor is. And I, and I say that again because today could be someone's day of visitation. Today could be that day where God steps in and intervenes and says, I've taken note and I'm bringing grace. And the question is, were that to be the case, would God be welcome? In Revelation 3.20, there's that very well-known passage Jesus gives to the church of Laodicea where he says, Behold, I, I stand at the door and knock. It's just like a visitor come, coming up to our life and, you know, knocking on the door gently. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and, and he with me. And that, that whole idea of eating together, that's about sitting down at the table and having peace with one another. And what Jesus just said there is if anybody was willing to and let him in, to let him in when he gently knocks at the, at the door of our heart, he's, he promises I'll come in and we will be at peace with one another. And, and that's a transformation of relationship that happens. Because, you see, we're born into this world in no relationship with God, but a separated relationship with him. 
And try as we might, there's not a one of us that can save ourselves. Not a one of us that can change that relational disparity that's occurring there. It's just as impossible for us to do that as it was for Sarah to conceive a child. She and Abraham could not make it happen. You and I cannot make a restored relationship with God happen. It's completely out of our hands. The only way it happens is when Jesus visits us. And we make a decision whether or not he's welcome. Whether he's welcome. So in the uh, New Testament, there's a, a, a word that's used for visitation or this concept that we have in the Hebrew sense. It's a, it's a, a episcopae. And it's the act by which God looks into and searches out the ways, deeds, and character of men in order to uh, decree their lot accordingly. And you see, that's what God does. He went to Sodom and Gomorrah to search out whether or not judgment was just. He went to Sarah's tent to search out whether she was ready for grace. So it all depends on how we receive God. Uh, one of the, the best ways that it's used, this discopay is used in, um, episcopate is used in the uh, uh, New Testament is in Luke 19, Luke chapter 19. Uh, that's the story of Zacchaeus, wee little man. Okay, climbed the sycamore tree, wanted to get a look at Jesus. Uh, it's one of my favorite stories because Zacchaeus, he's, he was one of the most outed guys in the entire Jewish culture. He's a tax collector. People hated him. They despised him. And uh, you know how we often use this phrase about, have you found Jesus yet? Yeah, he was behind the couch the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> what a weird phrase, because none of us find Jesus. Not a single one of us find him. Like I said, it's, it's out of our hands. It's impossible for us to do that. You see, Jesus finds us. And that's what happened that, that day with Zacchaeus. That was the day that Jesus visited Zacchaeus and found Zacchaeus and went to his home, and Zacchaeus became a transformed individual. Do you think people were surprised to see Jesus having lunch with Zacchaeus? Yeah, just as much as people would be surprised to find Jesus having lunch with any one of us. And that's the most positive form of visitation. So it can be either negative, it can be positive. It depends on how welcome the visitor is. And all of this is why Isaac... The child of the promise is so important, so important and so integral to who we are to this day. You see, the partnership between God and Abraham would perpetuate through Abraham's descendants. Isaac was the first child of the promises. He had to be, and that had to continue so that Jesus to be born into that line, God would take on human flesh, born as a son of Abraham, and demonstrate that he is indeed the child of the promise. And the work that Jesus Christ did by going to the cross, dying in our place for our sins, and then raising from the dead three years later, happened so that you and I could become a child of the promise. Now, if I were to say that to you at the beginning of the sermon, that you could be the child of God's promise, which, by the way, just means heir, fellow heir, you would probably say, I find that doubtful. I find that doubtful. But you see, God can transform that into joyous laughter. Isaac fulfilled what needed to be fulfilled so that Jesus could come and do what needed to be done so that you and I could become heirs of God, be children of the promise. God's promise to Abraham, as I said, fulfilled in Christ through his death and his resurrection, secures the transformation of our doubts into assurance of our scorn, of our mocking <laughs> into laughter and joy and judgment transformed into grace for forgiveness. Let's pray.
Lord, the one thing that we can understand when we read your word is that all the way throughout, you are constantly bringing grace to people. You are constantly giving us the opportunity uh, to receive uh, the good that you intend for us. And the, the most tragic thing that happens is, is to reject that, Lord. Uh, and, and I can look back and know that for over 20 years of my life, that's what I did. That's what I did. And I'm so glad, Lord, that you did not give up in visiting me, that you kept coming until finally I could understand that grace and become a child of the promise. Lord, our prayer right now is for your spirit to work in the hearts of each and every one of us. We've, we've talked about deconstruction, and, and, and we all go through some sort of that. We've talked about being a believer but being broken. We've talked about being on a journey of faith. God, may this be the day of whether it's deconstruction and reconstruction or brokenness or a journey, Lord, would you make this the day of your visitation where you take note of us, where you bring grace to us that our lives might be transformed. This we ask in Jesus' name.
dual benediction here. Uh, Ted has a word to share. Hi, that's all. <laughs> anyway, um, it's been almost a decade to the day where Jesus came and found me. I wasn't looking for him at all. I would run up and down the interstate on my motorcycle, 130 miles an hour, and I'd dare him to take me. I would mock him, I'd flip him off. Anyway, um, Chris, your neighbor, that got to me. So, all of you out there, if you're suffering, if you've got that addiction, porn, alcohol, sexting, whatever it is, there's not much I haven't been through, and you're not alone. I've had thousands of voices inside my head telling me to do bad, and Jesus saved me. So, reach out to me. Don't hold that stuff into yourself. I'm easy to find on Facebook. I don't want any of you to go through that. So please reach out. I love you guys. Especially you, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, Ted. Here's our uh, benediction common ground out of the uh, epistle to Titus chapter 3, beginning with verse 4. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, being justified by his grace, we might become, I'm going to change it, children of the promise according to his grace and the hope of eternal life. Go in peace, come on down, have a wonderful week.